Hi guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host as always, Steve Hall, and today we have an episode with Mike Isratel. He's just finished his contest season. He literally just competed this past weekend and took second in the Super Heavies at Nationals MPC. And we talk a lot about that. And I think this was a really enlightening episode, especially for a lot of competitors, especially for those of you who are maybe underdogs. I think you'll really appreciate this chat. For me, it was an incredible conversation. And as always, guys, if you are interested in contest prep, that sort of thing, we have coaches on the team who can help you with that. So definitely check out our coaching team. And we have an ebook, The Ultimate Guide to Contest Prep. So if you're ever interested in learning more as a coach or competitor, definitely check out those resources. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host, as always, Steve Hall. And today I have Mike Isratel back on the show. I think I say this every time that we chat Mike, but I'm always like, it feels too long. And I always appreciate having Mike back on the show and having a chat. Uh, I need to actually... too long, Steve. <laughs> I know uh, Crystal, I was messaging uh, Dr. Crystal, Mike's uh, wife. She was messaging me whilst I was in Vegas, tr- giving me some helpful tips for food mostly um, and bits and pieces, which was great. And uh, she was asking, she was like, we've got a spare bed over here. We've got that. With, like, there was like a hack squat I tried out and she was like, we've got that one. I think it was like the Arsenal strength yeah. one uh, yes. or the Atlantis one, actually, I think. You've got Atlantis? That Arsenal. But Arsenal we're strength, okay. More stuff. Okay. Yeah. She was like, we've got a spare bed. And I was like, oh man, I actually need to arrange a time at some point if if that was, if that offer is still open at some point to come and just like hang out and be there and uh, training your gym. Always Although you're in, you're in Vegas now, right? I'm in Vegas right now, but the gym is in Michigan, yeah, uh, which is actually a much shorter flight from the United Kingdom, and um, only a seven-hour flight. And uh, in Michigan, we have the Renaissance Gym, private training facility. It is in, right next to our house. It is a fully equipped gym, and it is getting more and more equipped all the time. We're gonna be probably the best equipped gym in Michigan here in about six months. And it's just all stuff for people to come use and come shoot YouTube videos. So if you want to come stay with us and shoot some videos, the offer is always open. I would recommend coming in the summer. Um, Michigan in the winter is no no fun place. I am actually going to have to, something I'm terrible at is, I don't know if you're, no, I think you're pretty good at this, Mike. I'm like in my routine and I'm like, I'm just getting this done and I'm not wanting to like, you know, things like traveling and the bits and pieces like that. If I can avoid it, I tend to avoid it, but especially going to Vegas and appreciating the gyms, meeting people and that I can fly and I'm not as bad a flyer as I, I once thought, like that was an 11 hour flight. It was all right. So seven hours sounds short to me. So um, yeah. I, I think I'm going to have to try and make qualified. that happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, let us know. Uh, and so actually one question, this just randomly came into head because Mike went to get a, a drink of water. And for those who don't know, Mike's been well, just literally this weekend. Massive congratulations. I haven't actually said this to you in person, Mike, but massive congratulations for your placing. But more than that, and I, I know it, probably the uh, I don't know I, I guess the placing probably doesn't matter as much to you as the physique you brought because it was substantially I can talk about that yeah so I don't know I was Whatever actually the random I question that. I was mm-hmm. going to ask before that and then we can get into it was are you already or have you been noticing you were peeing a lot like incessantly 
jet like in the last few weeks of prep has that been happening In the last week before we started pushing my water higher. Okay. And I was peeing an unbelievable amount. I always pee pretty often anyway. Like I most nights will wake up at least once, usually twice at night to pee. I haven't slept through a whole night in in memory. I have no memory of a night where I slept through same outside of high school. In high school, I think I one night where I slept all the way through. And I woke up and I thought my dick was going to explode <laughs> off my body. And then I peed painfully for probably two minutes straight. And I was like, okay, I somehow just didn't wake up from that in the middle of my, I have like a tiny bladder or whatever. So I'm used to it. But here's a really trippy story about my pee. We, for this peak, I have this body water thing where I store a lot of body water. Uh, taking a, a, a one particular substance, uh, which is about to be public, but they're called aldactone or spironolactone, um, hugely helps me drop body water, completely transforms my physique, uh, takes you know, five pounds of body water off instantly and gives me stride at everything. And it might actually look like a bodybuilder. And even then, even still, I am in a situation where I was peaking for Saturday show. I stopped drinking water with my food, except for like maybe a sip here and there to let the food go down. Midday Thursday, all of the rest of Thursday, the entire day Friday, and all the way Saturday up until 8.30 p.m. when I walked off the stage, I had ooh, 200 milliliters of water, maybe less. So um, I was peeing just a little bit that whole time, but consistently. And my pee never got really dark. Then when I started having fluids after the show, but for like a little bit of pee when I like took a dump or something, because you know you can't actually poop without peeing a little bit for secretly possible. I didn't have a voluminous pee for the next 16 hours. Just stored every bit of fluid. I took it. I ate so many fruits, and I had probably like a gallon of water, and nothing came out because I was like, my body was like, "You are dehydrated. What the fuck are you doing to yourself?" And I also came off the backtone, so there's a rebound effect there. You store more water after because your body's like, "Oh shit, we get to store everything." But I was like, really weird. I was like, "Oh my god, like, am I okay?" And even the next day, there's like a delayed effect where I was still dry as fuck. Because once you get dry, staying dry is pretty easy. The getting dry, that's tough. And for me, next time we peak me, I'll probably stop or reduce water consumption even further out, which for most people is unheard of. But I'm like a camel or something. I just store a ton of water. And my conditioning at this last show was the best it's ever been. And one of the reasons was we pulled water so far out. I was going to say, uh, you might have been looking forward to peeing less only because for me, I was peeing all the time, but I'm similar to you. I I can't remember the last time I slept through a whole night either. Like it just yeah. doesn't happen. So when people say it, I'm like, well, it just doesn't happen for me. Even when I'm yeah. like well-fed and fine, it's just, I pee a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I it at least- It doesn't bother me a ton either. No, it's only bothersome for me when I was like, I don't know, on an hour walk and I'm like halfway through and I'm like, I just 
Yeah, <laughs> I need to be somewhere. <laughs> Luckily, I'm a man, so uh, we have some helpful tools <laughs> to allow you to do that arranged. most places. Yes, yeah. Yes. So, um, but interesting, and actually, we got a lot of questions through about like what's your peak week approach, this sort of thing. But I'd love to hear about what it meant to you to bring what you brought to stage, and then also the the second place. Yeah. First of all, I. Uh, you know, I had no, so when I got as lean as I was going to get for this prep, I knew that I wasn't as lean as I would think someone who deserves a pro card. I was about 2% body fat, too fat, I think. I was 5.8% fat, according to the decks I got the Thursday before the show. I think I need to be something like 3.8% or below. Like, holy that nobody's beating him kind of conditioning. Like you see that guy in the tanning room, you're like, fuck, that guy won, you know? Um, so I knew that uh, it wasn't, I didn't, didn't estimate, I put this on Instagram, I didn't estimate that I was gonna win the class and win the overall. Um, I knew I was in real good shape. And I had this thing where, you know, I used to really suck at bodybuilding because I never could figure out the peaking process. And then last year I did the Diamond Classic, the local show, and I won the master's division. I won the overall master's and won the overall for the heavies and the open. And I finally looked like a bodybuilder and people were like, wow, like, this is a big deal. This is really cool. And then this time, my, you know, my, my aspiration this entire time was to be competitive at the top national stage and maybe at some point vie for a master's pro card in my wildest dreams. And, you know, you never really know if you're delusional uh, or how you stack up against these actual guys going. And I weighed in at 225.8 or something like that. And 225.4 is the cutoff for supers. So I was like, fuck it, I don't care. Because it's only one pro card up for grabs anyway. Overall, I was like, who cares? I don't give a fuck. And um, I got into the supers class. I was the smallest super by a long shot uh, as far as body weight. I was the shortest super by probably like half a head and often a head and a half. Um, And... I was definitively the most conditioned super in the class and one of the most conditioned guys in the show, which for me to say that out loud is like baffling, like coming out of my own mouth. Jared's over there smiling. He loves it. Have fun. Jared's off to do cardio, which I assume is just to hook up with somebody. Uh, um, he only he put on only his underwear and walked out. So, uh, and a condom. <laughs> And of course, (laughs) that never comes off. Uh, So basically, for me to say accurately, it's not something I said. It was something that was said to me. Um, I met um, Mark Loblighter backstage, and I met uh, Jose Antonio backstage, the Boston Mass himself. I actually had no idea I was talking to him for like 30 minutes. And I was like, oh, you're that guy. He's like, yeah. And uh, he was where we met for the first time. He's like, dude, you look ridiculous. And I was like, thank you. And I just thought it was some guy who was kind of jacked and really short. And because uh, he's retired, you know, like um, he's still a super fucking jacked. But like, I don't know, fuck, fuck, whatever. It's a nice guy. Some guy, some some handler for some other guy. And that other guy turned out to be Mark Lobliner. <laughs> that guy turned out to be Jose Antonio. And we got to be really, we got to, to get close and it was really cool. But a bunch of people were like, dude, you're shredded, this and that. And then the pictures don't lie. Like, clearly, the, the, the guy with the most food separation, hamstring detail, food striations, blah, blah. And like, for me, me, Mike, to be that guy at a show already was like this huge victory for myself. And then, you know, the guy who beat me, uh, he had excellent aesthetics. I mean, this is a guy who, like, if he gets shit together, it's going to be unbelievable. Because he's just like 
African-American genetic freak, like the best, 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 like this is true, like destiny for a guy like this, like unreached shoulders, this waist is this big, un- unbelievable. But I was more conditioned and more complete body wise. I just look like, you know, my physique is such shitty aesthetic. So I feel you. I wasn't one. at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You and I didn't get the shape cards, so, but like, here's the thing. If I had one, but it was on my shape, that's not a compliment. You know, like, okay, sweet, you were born like that. But me taking second, being told I was the leanest guy in the class, and the, for my height, by far the most muscularly developed guy in the class, I was like, yeah, that's what's up, because I can control those variables, and at least one of those. Muscularity never came that difficult to me, but leanness came very difficult to me, and dryness did as well. And for me to nail that, and take second, I was over the fucking moon. Like, I, I'll post a video later when I announced it. And, like, when they announced my name in second, I smiled. It was a genuine smile. I wasn't taking it. I was like, yes, yes. Like, I can't fucking believe it. I made the first call out. I didn't even know it was the first call out. Jared's like, I was like, what do you think? He's like, yeah, you're top three. And I was like, how do you know that? He's like, dude, they only called the top three to compare you guys. They just didn't compare anybody else. And I was like, oh, that was the top three. He's like, yeah, fucking moron. And I was like, holy shit. So for me, to be a, a super heavyweight contender at the na- at the Masters national level in the NPC in the United States, I, in some sense, feel like I've arrived. Now, I know that sounds super lame to onlookers. Like, if you're not a pro, if you're not a top pro, if you're not the Mr. Olympia, you haven't arrived. But like, look, we all come from a different place. And we have different expectations for ourselves. You know, I was a 130-pound Russian Jewish kid from Oak Park, Michigan. I was mediocre at sports. For me to say that I'm a contender in bodybuilding at a national level, nuts. And a super heavyweight, nuts. So I was just completely over the moon. Is there a part of me that wanted to win the class? Sure. That I want a pro card? Of course. But I kept reminding myself when I would get nervous and anxious throughout the prep, especially last the, the weekend of, of how is it going to happen? What's going to happen to the show? You know, check out your competitors. It's not up to me. Now, everything I could do, I already did. The only thing I left to do was hit my pose as well, which I did a pretty good job with, making sure the hamstrings are, are there, the glutes are being flexed, and um, making sure the quads are being shown off properly. Um, I could do that, and I think I did a pretty good job. But everything else I had done already weeks ago, and it was done, was done. And now it's just about retooling for next time, putting on a crap load of muscle. Now I know how to get lean. I have that formula down, and I know how to pull that string further, just more time. And uh, now I know that I will be able to, as long as I don't get hurt or sick, have a physique that's way better next time and way leaner. And I'll be a fucking problem. I'll be a problem for the Masters Pro and we'll see if it happens. And if it doesn't, no big deal. All I can ever expect for myself is I'm gonna fucking try real hard over the next few years to make the quality improvements I need. So that in my early forties, I'm 37 now. In my late thirties, early forties, I'm gonna be getting on the stage a few times and really fucking going for it. And um, I'll say another thing that may be meaningful to some of the viewers, I have a picture of me that I posted on Instagram. It was a screenshot taken from me, Jared, and Charlie, most muscular. You might, you might have seen it. I'm kind of off to the angle a little bit. And I look ridiculous, like enormous and ripped. And my legs and thighs are touching together. And that picture, when I saw it, I told Jared, I was like, if I get hit by a car tomorrow, I can't use my legs and I'm done bodybuilding. I'll be able to say I look really special and I did what I had to do. Like that picture alone, I stared at for minutes and minutes and minutes. And I was like, that's really me. And they're like, yes, Jared and Charlie, yes, it's really you. 
And I was like, this isn't just some lighting or camera angle thing. Like I look like that. Like you look like that every single session we've trained with you this week. And all those YouTube videos are going to be coming out by the way, but you look absurd. And I was like, I look like a comic book character. And they're like, yeah. And I'm just like, this is amazing. Like what else to me, the spiritual journey of bodybuilding is much less about victories. Like for example, if I came in off and it was like some gear where like COVID version 5.0 hit and there was three guys and, and somehow the other two guys were even more off that I just looked like shit and I got a pro card nominally, it wouldn't mean home fucking hardly anything. Um, it's not about the pro card for me. For me, it's about given my genetics and my inputs, did I make something that I thought looked real special over the course of my life? And God damn, can I say yes to that shit? Like all the pictures I've got over this last prep, especially towards the end. I mean, to me, like I have clearly strided glutes. Um, and fuck, man, let me show you. Let's see if we can ban on YouTube community. There's no actual dicks in this. And this will probably come out real bad over Zoom. But I have one particular set of pictures I took, which, you know, like my Instagram got banned and everything. Yeah, which uh, with the photo, which, what Instagram are we forwarding people to, actually? I want to do that like right at the start. Dr. Mike is retell. RP Dr. Mike is dead. If he's revived, okay. then he's got so many strikes in his account from like comments made years ago in just debates with people that anytime I can get off, like anytime I get flagged again, I'll just be off. Oh. So if I ever get that account back, I'm just going to post every week, just one post that says, hey guys, follow me on Dr. Mike Israel's account is getting deactivated soon. And I'll get as many seen over as possible. I'm going to shut that down. Yeah, it's not worth it for me anymore. Let's see if this is remotely. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Like, what the fuck? I can die happy. <laughs> this is insane. Like, legit, like a true cross, bodybuilder, <laughs> right? Like cross-striated glutes. I win. So I'm super fucking happy. And I've got an amazing plan in place to uh, dial up the uh, special sports supplements because as we've said a few times, myself and, and Jared and Charlie have really only been like kitty, kitty fucking around with that shit. And uh, we've come quite a way. So now it's probably time to make the, the dial up to a low, low to moderate use by standards of other people that are as muscular as us. And then I think that there's a very decent chance that over the next year or two, I might, if I'm still healthy and I'm still relatively young, things might get really out of hand freaking his wives. And I'm super excited about that. And we are as well. Thank you for sharing that because I feel like you were talking to my soul almost. And I think this is why, um, for multiple reasons, I, I really look up to you, Mike, as an individual and inspiration in that sense, because, and I think a lot of bodybuilders should, because the majority of us aren't born, like, we don't have those perfect symmetry and lines and small waists and everything. So most of us are like those underdogs, almost. And I think most bodybuilders should have that attitude. And if you truly, like, everything you said, there's a true lover of to me, the sport of bodybuilding where yeah. you're trying to maximize yourself is kind of you versus you. Obviously, at the end of the day, you're on stage against other people, but ultimately that's Wait, not are, your are you though? What can you do about them? What can you Nothing. do about them? So yeah. The judges are against both of you. So, you know, if you're doing MMA or a BJJ or wrestling, yeah, you really do have to fight another person. Um, in bodybuilding, you don't, it's not against anyone. It's all you have to do is get your best physique on stage and then the judges sort you out. So, it really is one of those things where people focus on the competition and the things that are what they want to win. I'm never, ever focused on that. I'm always focused on, I want to be better, much better. And, and if, if my progress rate is slow, then I want to as fast as I can have it. And just a little better each time, a lot better each time. 
And at the end of the day, I think the goal is to build something that you can really be proud of based on where you came from. I mean, like Steve, look at you, like, let's just be completely honest right now. I'll just say something that could be looked at as, as, um, as rude, but you and I are been friends for long enough where I think you're going to take this the right way. I mean, you're generally speaking, your genetics for bodybuilding are fucking terrible. Like they just are. And because and, and you're that guy with fucking enormous arms and the sh most shredded glutes and damn near the whole sport. How the fuck did you do that? You have a physique where if you go to any gym in the UK, if you go to any fucking nightclub or any beach, there was a beach in the UK is a kind of a joke. You know, <laughs> um, you know, you go to France or something and go to a beach, you pull off your shirt and everybody who's not an NPC or a drug using competitive bodybuilder is going to look at you and be like, holy fuck, that's jacked and ripped to shreds. Oh, the fucking guy who got hit by a fucking car on his bike and this is 130 pounds of like not even jacked for a fucking soccer player. Like you became a fucking superhero and holy fuck, what more can you want? Yeah, okay, you're not going to take fucking first at every natural show because some guy with unreal lines is going to show up and just have his lines. You can't fucking do anything about your lines. But like you and now you took second in the world. You're in the mix for a pro card in the next few years. Steve Hall, damn, you got to know something. Your dedication's got to be crazy. All these other things you've aligned, and the thing is you can take all those things and teach it to other people. How the fuck do you teach lines to other people? And some people get coaches that were just gifted with their lines. They're like, what the fuck is he telling you to do? Be more like him? Like, hey, like, do this. And, well, my waist doesn't look like that. Like, I don't know. That sucks, you know? So, yeah, I, major, major respect. Yeah, I, I, I highly appreciate that. Um, I almost feel a bit embarrassed <laughs> to, to even hear those things to be said for me, but um, it's nice to... Well, true, man. And I mean, it's. I think a lot of it is, I think it's easy for someone in our shoes to give up and to just like, but what's like? that's the other option, you know? We either dedicate ourselves to it and really give it our go and look to be our absolute best, which is obviously something that you really espouse and have done for years or you like you kind of give up or like i don't know or uh, do something else it's, it that's as simple sure. as it is and that's not what i want to do so it's it's yeah. kind of I, I like the mentality you had there where i think it could be easy sometimes for me personally at least when i look at it and i'm like oh, just like i'm not like one of the judges feedback i don't know if i said this to you was uh, to have like, can you make your waist smaller? Um, which makes me laugh as well, just as when I say it. Um, uh, Jared Feather has gotten that advice before from a judge. Compared to who? Compared to who? Jared as well, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Yeah. So that sometimes judging advice, like one one person, with all due respect, she said this from a very good place. She's like, did you get what kind of feedback did you get? afterwards i'm like i didn't talk to anybody afterwards like like what kind of feedback do you think that like they go i am I'll, i used to talk to judges all the time uh they have really good insights on posing uh but as far as physique development motherfucker you know what you need to work on what is it rocket science like please like oh you need a bigger back like i didn't know that you know like as an example of something they told you like yeah. if you're a real beginner competitor and you're really out of the loop hearing from judges is great but after you know what you're doing, and you can tell them, you probably know way more what to do with yourself than they do. They've looked at you for 30 seconds. You've looked at yourself for three hours a day for the last 10 years. So you know all your particulars. I think that's funny to make your waist small. You need to get your hips cut out and reposition yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. But uh, it's like you said, like at the end of the day, 
the fact that like you have got to the kind of position you are now where you're competing you're challenging for those top spots it's like someone it is that underdog story it's like you would never expect this and like you said it's not like for me it's the same if if i i never thought i could possibly even go to worlds let alone challenge for a pro card if i get it i get it amazing that sounds really good mm-hmm. it'll be really nice it'll mm-hmm. feel amazing but ultimately mm-hmm. it's completely out of our hands so we got to just do our best job and enjoy enjoy the the kind of the weird thing that is bodybuilding <laughs> you would think you would think enjoying has something to do with it <laughs> um yeah i mean it's nice to have something it's like yeah you hear the the kind of saying depositing pennies every day just having waking up and knowing you're kind of progressing something is just you, you, that's priceless hey pascal here i just wanted to take the moment to talk about our membership site Inside, you'll find a thriving forum, an extensive exercise library, courses, presentations, and research reviews. All I need you to do is hit the link in the description below and sign up. Big deal. That's what life is all about. Life is in the living. And in many situations, not in the accomplishments that you get to tick off the boxes at the end of life. You know, and like in my career, I've been, uh, in my life, I've been very, uh, um, I guess, lucky to have been able to check a lot of boxes off objectively about what shit I've accomplished. But nowadays, I'm also very keen on making sure that every day is spent doing things that are productive and doing things that make me feel good. Um, Not like, you know, oh, I'll do heroin today because I don't feel nice. Things that are productive and invest in my future as well, because at the end of the day, I'm a fucking Jew. And if it doesn't invest in my future, it doesn't feel good. (laughs) But um, I mean, it's... uh, if you're not enjoying the journey that is bodybuilding, you're always coming at it from a negative perspective of, oh, I need to fix all these things. My physique is terrible. You're just not going to last. Um, and we actually, you know, sure, it's not super private, but Jared and I have been in Charlie's ear lately. He's had a very tough prep. And um, he, he does this thing, which, yeah, I'll just fuck it, I'll say it. A lot of Asians do this. Uh, Asians are their own worst enemies, their own worst critics. It's a thing that's uh, seemingly almost universal in Asian culture. And I suspect that that actually absolutely has a genetic uh, origin. And it's a gift and a curse because a lot of Asians are so goddamn robotic about how fucking amazing they execute the plan. Holy shit. Like, they're just like, do this. And they're like, it's still my death. And they mean that shit. (laughs) Um, But then on the other hand, a lot of self-criticism, just unbelievable level. And at some point, Charlie was getting real negative. And he was like, dude, I'm not shit. I suck. We're like, dude, if you suck, what the fuck does that leave everybody else? Are you out of your mind? And we're just trying to, I think with some success and with something we're working on all the time is getting folks like Charlie. um, And that's not just Asians. There's tons of people who do this where they're, they're so goal oriented that they're failing to enjoy their achievements so far failing to enjoy the process of becoming better. Um, and gee, you know, if I was Charlie, first of all, I'd be looking at my body every waking second that I was awake and just baffling at it. Especially if I was pumped at the gym, I'd just be like getting other people around to come look at me, <laughs> look at this. But um, it's just, if you love the process, then that takes you to the goals you're going to have the best chances of getting. And you can look back on your life later and say, I really loved it. This was awesome. If you hate the process, you may still accomplish the goals, but then you'll look back and be like, thank God I accomplished that goal. I, it took me a lot of sacrifice and hatred. You know, some people say, like, well, you sacrifice a lot when you do contest prep. You do some things, but you also get the, the beauty of contest prep. It's its own beautiful thing. When I'm done bodybuilding, I'm going to miss 
being in the fucking grind. I'm going to miss waking up at four in the morning and eating like two egg wraps that have five grams of protein each so that my stomach stops eating itself so that I can actually go back to sleep for the next few hours. Like there's a certain purifying aspect of that struggle, which is, it's religious. It really is religious. It's sublime. And it's not oh so fun during, but in a sense, it makes you just appreciate the fuck out of your life and sharpens your mind and sharpens your body and sharpens your spirit. And you got to appreciate that stuff, at least try while you're in the mix. Um, I had a feeling right before I stepped on stage for the finals uh, where I was like for months, I was looking forward to finally being done with prep so I could go back and eat, you know, low calorie potato chips with my wife and do edibles and sit on the couch and watch movies, which is my favorite thing to do. And um, I realized I had a bit of a moment of sadness and I was like, wait a minute. Oh my God. Like, what goal am I going to do now? What's the purpose of my life now? And I, I, I luckily had the thought, like, as I was walking up to stage, it was like, relish this fucking shit. Let's finish fucking strong. Let's finish enjoying it. Let's finish really investing. So I can say I did it. And I didn't, I didn't end prep by running away. I didn't end prep by going, thank God it's over. I ended prep by going, God damn it. We fucking did it up. And what I was holding is actually the most meaningful trophy I've ever received was the second place trophy. I've won tons of first places in jujitsu and all this other shit. And uh, it, this one meant so much because it was like, wow, I've arrived. I'm a, I'm a contender. And I put my best foot forward. And I was the leanest guy on stage. And like all that stuff meant so much. Like I finished on a strong note of I'm enjoying the process. I'm in it. I don't want to run. You know, I'm not finishing on the run. And that was really important to me. And it doesn't matter what the result is, how good you are, how good you don't ever amount to be. If you put your best foot forward, invest in yourself, enjoy the process and enjoy working for whatever gains genetics allow you to have, you're going to be able to look back on all of this and be like, man, this shit was good. Because, and not to put too fine a point on it, this was actually written down in Flex magazine, so it's not controversial. And I think he has a slightly different take on it now. But right at the end of his career, Flex Wheeler was quoted in a few outlets as saying, I fucking hated bodybuilding the entire time I did it. Did you know that? No. Yeah, like, that was, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, and he's like, I fucking hated every goddamn minute of it. It was fucking awful. And I'm glad it's over. And then later, I think as he is involved in the sport more as a coach and a mentor and as an ambassador, he's sort of got the love back for it. But, you know, and you can just, you know, he tried to, he was the best, most gifted bodybuilder of all time and he never won the Olympia. So I can understand that I mean, he was pretty sour. Um, but, you know, you'd, and, and I think Flex is, is much worldlier now and appreciates everything that's going on. But his attitude that he had back when that article was published you want to stay about as far away from he, I'm sure, wants to stay about as far away from that as possible. But, uh, you want to stay as far away from that as you fucking can. Because what, you know, at the end of the day, this is literally a hobby, you know, and it's a come fucking stupid hobby, too. Just imagine people in like Africa who don't have enough to eat. They're like, those guys willingly starve themselves. Like, uh huh. For what? Do they get paid for it? Like, no, no, they pay money. Like I paid three hundred and ninety dollars for Jared to have a backstage coaching pass, which I saw fifteen minutes of Jared Feather. I was like, "This is expensive time," uh, <laughs> yeah. but you know, right? And uh, so you know, it's kind of an absurd thing we do anyway. And if you're not enjoying the process and enjoying the outcomes that you, the victories that you can have, what is the point of doing it? And if you're really down on yourself and demand greatness, 
and say, I'm not going to enjoy this unless I win a pro card. I'm not going to enjoy this until I'm ranked number one or blah, blah, blah. That's like making a deal with yourself that doesn't make any fucking sense. Because if you enjoyed it, would you cry less hard? For me, I, when I enjoy things, I try harder. When I don't enjoy them, I try less hard. So if you can enjoy the process, you're probably into it more and your results will be better. So my big statement for today is don't wait for victories or great things to happen for you to enjoy the process. Start enjoying it right now for what it is. Appreciate it for the challenges it gives you. Learn from these challenges, grow from them. And then you'll just be able to have all victories all the time. And then if you're worried that that soft attitude is going to not allow you to become your best, ask yourself if Kobe Bryant or if Michael Jordan enjoyed the process. They relished the process. They loved training. They loved pushing it in the gym. Michael Jordan liked lifting weights. Like he literally says, like he got into it and fucking put on muscle because he didn't want the pistons to fuck him up anymore. He invested and of course he had the highest hopes for himself and he was really disappointed with losses, but he didn't hate the whole process. He loved the process and he loved the outcome. And so did almost every great athlete ever. And that's really what's a winning attitude. People think winners are down on themselves and hate who they are and are pissed and don't allow themselves to experience any happiness or feeling of accomplishment until the big victory. Statistically, that's mostly wrong. There are winners like that, but they're very rare. Most winners have a winner's mindset, an abundance mindset, an open-ended mindset of, I'm going to try to get all this fucking everything right now. I'm going to enjoy the fuck out of everything I can. I'm going to try my fucking hardest. I'm going to win, 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 win every minute, win every day, win every year. And then when I actually win, and it's just to me another regular part of my life. Of course, I was going to fucking win. Like I've been invested in this process the entire time. It wasn't like I was hoping to do it. And honestly, when you get good enough to where you think you're going to win, the win isn't the surprise. You know, people always think the most magical victories are the ones where you're like, I can't believe I did it. But if you show up to a pro show and the guy checking you in is like, okay, well, whoever's in that division is fucking losing. And everyone online is like, dude, you're going to fucking nuke everyone. And then you literally try to, I've done this a joke backstage with competitors and nobody wants to joke with you because you're like, fuck you, you asshole, you shredded everything. And then when you win, it's not much of a surprise. Is that really less sweet of a victory than if you were surprised? No. So by the time, if you think there's going to be this big religious experience when you finally win it and you're going to, oh, this was so amazing, you may not be correct. It might be more of like, oh, I guess I kind of had this coming at this point. So if you're waiting to exhale until your big victory and there's no exhalation because at that point it's obvious, hey, what's this? you're never going to exhale. You're never going to enjoy yourself. What the fuck is the point of all that? Anyway. I think uh, Pascal is going to really enjoy this chat as well because he had his first season this year as well. And he, did, he only amazing. did his one novice show, but he was smiling just like ear to ear the entire time he was on stage and it wasn't like he thought he was in contention for the top like for the the top three or the top five or anything he was just enjoying being on stage and being a bodybuilder being part of community and feeling like like he'd he'd arrived his own sort of arrival like yours um so it's yeah i i love this because i think this is where most people i think the attention is always shown for like the elite the, the winners yes they always get yes. it but the majority of us aren't there so the enjoyment right. and like what you're saying here is so so important to get that message across so i think to just the, the other people who in the sport who can also really enjoy it and they can be proud of a, a like a, any placing the fact they got to stage they can be proud of that fact because 
if they brought yeah. their best to stage, they know they did everything they could. What's more satisfying than that feeling? Other like the winner could win and know they didn't give their all. Are they going to feel that great just because they won? Or are they going to be like, well, kind of won despite myself? <laughs> you know, I've done that before. I've won jujitsu matches where I made tons of mistakes and the other guy just sucked. And I was like, eh. people are like, congratulations on your win. You always feel bad accepting it. You're like, mm, thanks. You know, like... <laughs> Like if I had, uh, and this is, this is the trippy thing. People were congratulating me on Instagram and, and messaging me and calling me about my second place. It's a very funny text message to read. Congratulations on your second place. When I didn't win. Uh, so that's kind of funny, right? But at the same time, I feel in my heart that congratulation is totally makes sense in this case because I really did put my best foot forward here and I got my all time best look and I got in the mix and I got to be a contender and so it really does make sense for me to be like, well, yeah, I do feel the congratulations versus our, you know, I, I have won, you know, categories and showed before against like fucking old ass men, like 55 year olds. And I'm like a hundred pounds of my muscle. And they're like, congrats on your class victory. And I'm like, all right, you know, like it's a win, but it's not about the win. The win is a result of you looking your fucking best. And if you can look your best, you're 90% of the way there. If you can look your best and win, then you're 100% of the way there. For some of us, that 100% is coming. For some of us, it will never come. But for all of us, it's completely out of our hands. Uh, that is up to the judges and who shows up. You know, um, always some freak can show up and upset the apple cart. And what are you going to do? Hinge your entire life's happiness and sadness on the existence of some other person you have no control over? It's an insane person's proposition. You fucking smile ear to ear when you fucking bring your best. And if you bring your best, sooner or later, you reward John Meadows. I think we did like maybe eight or 10 Masters uh, Pro Qualifiers before he won. And every time he was close, every time he was a contender, it was just like one guy would show up every time. And it was just, you know, John Meadows never had amazing lines. And the guy would show up, but he wasn't as lean and he wasn't as sharp, but he had just better lines, better muscle values, and he won. Imagine how John felt those times. Well, I don't know how he felt, but he was such an amazing person that he always seemed like he was like, oh, on to the next, no big deal, I'll just get better. And he did, and then he got his pro card. And boy, does that mean something after all those years. So if you ever get discouraged, just read about John Meadows and the fact that he's tried like eight times and finally won his pro card. Uh, and you know, how dare you become pessimistic when John enjoyed the entire process the entire time. Yeah. And I think fortunately for like yourself, Mike, and for John, it was definitely the case. And for me, like your the fact you have to try that hard to get anywhere makes you a better educator, a better coach, a better learner versus if it all comes to you <laughs> very easily. Yeah. Again, like you said, you get those coaches who are just like, yeah, I'm an IFBB pro, but I mean, I only know what kind of has I've done and what worked for me and that was everything. So yeah. surely this will yeah. work for you. <laughs> yeah. I remember being at a seminar a very long time ago before I was Dr. Mike. Uh, it was a Dave Palumbo seminar. And, um, and then I actually watched another seminar. He did the same thing there that he did on video. He was on a seminar on video. I wasn't attending, but he was there with Kai Green and a few other people, top pros. And it was Q&A. And I thought this was a little bit unbecoming, but it, everyone took it well and it was hilarious. Somebody asked Kai Green a question and Dave cut him off. And he's like, don't ask them questions. They don't know how they got what they got. They're genetically elite. Ask me the question. I had to earn all the shit because Dave never turned pro, but he was trying to turn pro at a time when they gave up one master's pro card the entire season. And actually back then they didn't even give up master's pro cards. It was just the open. Dave Palumbo had the dog shit genetics. He just knew and ran 
gear and training and food so well and so hard that he was always a contender for 10 years until he retired. He never got it. <laughs> but, you know, I disagree with Dave Palumbo on a variety of his ideas. Not all of them. I think he's spot on on some. But it's all, it's all respectful disagreement. Of, like, I think it just come from different places. One of us is right. One of us is more wrong. No disrespect. But, like, if someone was like, hey, this random IP pro says this, and Dave Palumbo says, like, who's right? I'm like, who's Dave Palumbo? <laughs> That's my first guess. Because he had to try, and he's fucking really smart, and he had to earn everything. And it's funny because when he said this, even Kai Green like started laughing, and I was like, "Oh, you gave the mic right to Dave," and Dave answered the question. Kai was probably like, oh, like "Thank God, answer the stupid <laughs> yeah. question again." But but the reality is like, you know, uh, it was a strange thing to say at the time, a little rude. But he had a lot a good point there, where it was like, "Yeah, I wouldn't really ask that other guy because uh, you imagine like you know again no disrespect, but." But asking Phil Heath uh, advice on training three years into his career. So three years he's been training seriously. What does he know? Well, you know, what did you know in three years? What did I know in three years, Steve? Not much. He was an IFB pro already, and he was vying for his first, second place at the Olympia. You'd be like, oh, this guy knows everything. And he, if he was at that maturity level time, he'd be like, I don't know shit, man. And uh, that's the reality of the matter. So Gotta remember that the silver lining of trying and trying and trying is learning. And uh, that's what it's all about, because then you can help the most uh, highest number of people. Again, you know, like uh, there's a bunch of guys, uh, you know, top pro coaches as far as popularity is concerned, at least, you know, Matt Jansen, Patrick Tour, uh, a couple of the other guys, um, AJ Sims or whatever, you know, uh, Chad Nichols, blah, blah, blah. Because how many of those guys are IFB pros? Zero, maybe one, maybe Patrick Tour is a pro. I don't know. None. Columbus, one of the top guys. Like, this is the people the pros pay unreal amounts of money to and desperately claw and scratch to get on their fucking waiting lists so that they can become better pros or turn pro. And none of these guys are pros themselves. So, you know, anytime you're really upset that you haven't won something, but you're also a coach and you help other people, remember that the winning has dick to do with how good of a coach you're going to become. Maybe 2%. Uh, you know, again, Chad Nichols, who's that? Well, he's uh, Coach Ronnie Coleman, and he, he's the guy that led uh, Big Rami to his first and second Olympias when Big Rami was a contender for like eight years, always the top and never could. So what is Chad Nichols? What is his bodybuilding contest experience? I, first of all, I have no idea if he's ever competed. I know his uh, wife used to compete, and he sort of like started helping her. I don't think he's ever competed in bodybuilding as far as I know, and he sure as hell out a pro. And you'd be like, oh, can you imagine like seeing him at a gym and some guy's like, hey, you want to go ask him a question about training your diet and drugs? And some guy's like, no, is he a pro? I'd be like, nah, he'd be like, fuck that guy. I'm going to ask the pro and be like, <laughs> he goes to ask Big Rami and Big Rami just points right back to Chad and go, go ask him because he's my coach. You'd be like, oh, okay, I've misconstrued this. So anytime you're not winning or not objectively compared to other people with better minds or whatever as much as you, well, just keep learning. And then eventually you'll be coaching guys with better genetics than you. And that's really, I think, magical because of some sense every pro you help is a pro card you kind of own yeah no very well said um that's what i think i said that uh, somewhere i was like i feel like my for me at least my kind of uh service to the sport is less as a competitor and more as a, a coach and kind of spreader of good information so i like that's the way i tend to hold myself and that's the way i think about it so but um 
I think a really nice chat there, Mike, at least for me, <laughs> very much. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I think the listeners are probably very similar to myself. So I think they would have taken a lot away from that. Super. Out of the questions? Yeah, I, w- I was just going to ask, there was some questions surrounding kind of future plans. So I don't know if you want to quickly touch on that. And then maybe like big takeaways from this prep, if there was anything. Sure, sure. Yeah. Future plans are always tentative. So I'll start with saying that. And there's basically like we could just be doing some different stuff. But the future plan is I'm so, um, I'm currently 37 and a half years old and there's a master's division that's 35 to 40 and there's another master's division that's 40 to 45. And I want to, um, it's been kind of consensus among the people that I've talked to that when you're young, you push for size and when you're older, you can always get into really good conditioning. Like the, the idea that older guys can't get in shape is not a myth. It's the opposite of the truth. Like there's this thing in bodybuilding called like old guy lean, which is just a totally different weird look like John Meadows and stuff like that. And some of those guys are just like what Jeff Alberts, you know, like what what kind of negative body fat is that? Like, what is that even? So, um, but there is an understanding that you can't just keep trying to add size and use lots of gear when you're, when you're mid forties, like, you know, your heart at some point is just like, bro, fuck this. I'm out, cash me out. (laughs) Um, So I think this is now the time talked it over with the folks around me. And this is now the time I've already trialed this, this last year. And I probably put on like something like five to 10 pounds, like 10 pounds of muscle over this last year of pushing the sports supplements just a little bit more. And actually just taking some time to put on masks because, you know, competing often and putting on masks are two completely diametrically opposed things. So I think my plan here is either for the next year and a half or for well, sorry, I'm going to say that better. Either for the next year or two years, go through masses and active rests and mini cuts to put on a lot of size. And then either in a year, I start a half year process to prep for one of the master shows, or in two years, I start another half year process. So either when I'm age 39 or age 40, I step back on the stage. That's the current plan with hopefully a lot more muscle. And now that I know how to get really lean, I'm going to get really fucking lean. And I'm, if I'm healthy, if my body parts are still attached to me and I'm still alive, I will be a fucking nasty problem. I was already a problem at the show for everyone except one guy. And it was a problem for him too. They compared the fuck out of us. So, um, you know, give me another 10 to 15 pounds of muscle, another five pounds less fat. And it's going to look scary. At the very least, it's going to look sweet. And yeah. it's going to be really fun to do. Um, and I've had my health checkups and all that stuff, and I'm very healthy. I have this thing like um, I'm gonna say some racist shit. Jews are like notoriously just like unhealthy from day one, but they also live till they're like 90 because they're just unhealthy the whole time. They never died, <laughs> so I have like you know this is gonna age really poorly when I die of a heart attack in three days. But like as far as my blood work is concerned, anyway, I have that whole like Jewish immortality thing. Like my parents are shaped like hobbits, and they're like <laughs> like my mom looks. 15 years younger than she is uh, for no good goddamn reason at all, like shit like that. Um, so um, I seem to have quite good health for my age and how much gear I'm using. And my the gear doesn't really fuck me up unless I use the wrong shit. And now I know what the right shit and wrong shit is. So there's like a decent chance I can put on a lot more muscle and, and uh, really peak in my early 40s and, and put, the, put the cap on that career. So yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Hi guys, Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of our online coaching service. 
At Revive Stronger, we pride ourselves on providing personalized service that will take your physique and knowledge to the next level. If you're interested, check the description and sign up. Do you know what the heaviest super heavy was? Is Show? it? Yeah. I don't know body weights. I could probably ask the promoters because all the check-in cards are official. I'll tell you what, there was this one dude, he was a black dude who was probably six foot four, six foot five. Like Steve, I looked at him like this. <laughs> yes. And I'm not kidding. He wasn't ultra lean, so he didn't place. But he had a complete physique. His arms must have been 23 or 24 inches. Wow. When I got in line, because you, know, you can never see yourself. I got in line and I was like, I'm taking last. Everyone's enormous. And that guy <laughs> is like shaft on all the steroids in the world. Like I was just like blown away. And like he must have weighed 70 to 290. I mean, enormous, enormous. Wow. Yeah. I weighed two. I on stage, I weighed 216 pounds. I weighed in at 225 Friday. And on finals, I was on stage at 216. I was probably 220 on stage in pre-judging. So crazy. But yeah. I mean, at your height, that's ginormous. So <laughs> Yeah. So I'm five six. So it looked it looked big on stage. And you know, maybe there's some kind of fantasy world in which next time I'm on stage, I weigh two thirty on stage, but a bit cleaner. That would be real neat. Yeah. And then, yeah, any major takeaways or lessons from this prep? More time, was that one? No, this was a 17-week prep. The other one was 22. Uh, I could use more time to get even leaner, but I just didn't know because I'd never been super lean before. That I'm like, oh, wow, there's actually more to go. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I had mm -hmm. the same. Like, oh, I can, I can still push this. Like, cool. Um, lessons. It always ends up being about farm i want to try to distill some lessons both for folks that are drug-free and folks that are interested in the other dark side of the sport um because i always want some combination of transparency um i don't ever want to lie to people and be like yeah i really just ate more turkey instead of steak shit. like shut up um so i, I kind of want to be upfront about the things that really mattered and the things that i think some natty folks could take away I will say for the Maddie side, uh, step tracking wins again. I just did 11,000 steps on average and it was amazing. Sleep quality was the best it's ever been on prep and I made sure to take all the sleep hygiene stuff to make that happen and it worked. Um, uh, if you wake up in the middle of the night really hungry, what I would say is take uh, 15 or 20 grams of your protein macros away from the day and leave them either in a shake or a pudding or like we have these egg white wraps in the United States, which are pre-made wraps of egg whites. So it's just five grams of protein per wrap. And it's God awful. It tastes awful. It doesn't taste good. And you just, it's like a chore eating it. So you're like, hey, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really, really good. So we have that. And I ate those, I ate three wraps, 15 grams of protein. And that's it. That's literally the macros. When I would wake up in the last two weeks, I woke up almost every night at like 4.30 in the morning like this, like wide awake starving to death um and that really helped because i ate the egg whites and it gave me just enough of a parasympathetic feedback response for like oh you're full to where i could go another rem cycle and then i would wake up you know at seven or something and be awake awake but i had all the sleep time that i needed um my training 
went unbelievably well because every time I went into training, I just either added two and a half or five pounds to the bar and or added a rep. And that's all I did. I never tried to make mega PRs. I never auto-regulated. Like I feel great today. I'm going to go really hard. I didn't. I just, some of the training wasn't quite as hard as you would think. Of course, the end, it got pretty tough. But on average, it's just these little tiny progressions. Uh, someone asked me, you know, how much strength did you lose? And I was all-time strongest in the last week before the show ever. And uh, all the reps were moderate. I didn't do any low rep stupid bullshit. I could have. I had a ton, tons of strength. Um, but I just really... Uh, not a conservative approach to, to uh, the training, a measured approach. I'm just going to take my little victories. And little victories are a big fucking deal. So choosing high SFR movements. Now I have my own gym. So all the equipment is almost exactly the ideal thing I want to train. I mean, it's been it's a miracle, a fucking miracle training your own gym. Unbelievable. Now, most of the prep, I didn't train in my own gym. It was just the last month. But good God, was that an easy fucking month. Um, and so that was a big deal. And um, uh, I suppose, again, just for clarity, I don't use drugs ever. So alternate universe, pretend stuff. We're going to pretend together what alternate universe Mike did. And so an alternate universe, um, you know, growth hormone is fucking unbelievable. Um, people asked me over the last year, and I used some YouTube videos about my mass phase and what was the really thing that I changed that allowed me to gain 10 pounds of muscle. I'll just be straight up. I'm tired of beating around the bush. I didn't do this, but if I did, this would be what would have gained me 10 pounds of muscle. I just took my growth hormone from roughly four units per day to six units per day. I wish I could like have some elaborate thing. There's a lot of people who are like, oh, you gained so much muscle. Like, what it changed with your training and nutrition? I'm like, I've been an expert on the cutting edge of training and nutrition for years. Like I'm discovering new stuff all the time, but nothing transformational anymore, <laughs> especially as far as it concerns me. Uh, theoretical underpinnings are very transformational, but as far as practical and applied stuff, I got this stuff pretty well, well figured out. Uh, certainly nothing that's going to result in 10 more pounds. Like, over the past few years, I've gained you know, two, to th- two to three pounds, two to four pounds, one to three pounds, and then 10. It's like, okay, what is it? Well, it's that. Uh, so, you know, real talk. Um, and then, uh, so that was a big deal. And the next big deal, that was what allowed me to gain all that muscle. And the big deal that allowed me to get really lean and do it incredibly seamlessly was for the first time ever in a real way, I used thyroid support. Anabolics tend to um, shut down thyroid production and you become hypothyroid, which multiplies all of your diet fatigue sometimes by a thousand and also prevents you literally from losing fat. And even if you cut your calories super low, and it's just all bad in every possible way. And this time I got my shit together earlier and consulted with some folks with Roderick and then with Joe Jeffrey and figured out a thyroid support protocol. We started in the middle of the prep and the, I was literally like a week out from the show. And I was like, I have energy, it's insane. And the fact that every other competitive bodybuilder high level or above had already been doing this for years, it just makes me wanna shoot myself in the face for how much time I wasted. Um, and so probably now I go to year round thyroid support, which is like just a thing you should be doing if you're on serious mission for bodybuilding and you're enhanced and, uh, you know, just, uh, so motherfuckers don't get crazy with uh, any kind of inferences. The, the correct answer for me is a hundred micrograms of T4 per day. 
and 25 to 50, 50 for the last couple of weeks, micrograms of T3. That doesn't make any sense to you. Don't worry about it. If that makes sense to you, then you can be like, okay, that's what it is. No, no, no. I don't mean thyroid support. Like, hey, it was 150 micrograms of T3 and I had five heart attacks on the way down. Uh, it's just basically keeping the thyroid at or just slightly above where it normally would be and instead of the anabolics crushing the fuck out of it. Um, and that allowed me to lose weight and lose weight and lose weight. I get leaner and leaner and leaner. I was like, holy fucking shit. And then another thing that we um, figured out uh, last year and again, successfully used it was I have a real body water problem where I store a shitload of body water from anabolics. And uh, the last week and a half, we used L-Dactone um, and that directly hits the pathway that stores body water through anabolics. And within three days of using it, it looks like I lose about or three percent body fat visually i'm just like so we did that and it works super well and then we pulled the water back earlier because i'm still even with aldactone a giant water buffalo we did that under jared's guidance um it was a weird thing because i was like holy fuck i'm not gonna drink water for a long time and i got really really thirsty but a few hours after my, my uh, fluid compartment switched around blood volume filled back up and it wasn't that thirsty and then I got really, really thirsty again a few hours later, and then I wasn't that thirsty. And I, actually, right after I stepped off stage, I wasn't even that thirsty. Um, and I drank some water, and uh, I felt okay. And then a little while later, I got thirsty again and drank some water. So there was never like a time where I came off stage, and I was like, oh, 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 and a gallon, like it just never happened. Um, so that's really kind of the big things that changed. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, I wish I had some more insightful shit rather than but I guess the good news is very direct, you know, and it's more of like, you know, just to put this in perspective, six units of growth for someone of my muscularity is considered a, still a bit of a joke. Um, most guys, as far as I can tell, have heard or known directly that for their height, weigh what I do or more, uh, they run you know, eight, eight, 16 units a day. And some of the guys much more than that. Did you say eight to sixteen? Wow. Yeah. yeah, some of the top Olympians have run eighteen units per day. Uh, this is a matter of, um, I think, pretty close to public record, but apparently, allegedly, the two thousand three the Ronnie's production year, he ran eighteen units on his off season, thirty six units a day on his contest prep. <laughs> that's a little bit of, that's kind of nuts. Not everyone would survive that process, but. Um, you know, it's six units. I might eventually go up to nine units towards the tail end of the of my career. Um, growth hormones, unbelievable. And then a bunch of different ways. And if you're curious as to how it works, sign up for Broder Chavez's pay site or go on his Instagram, go to uh, the Physique Collective with Joe Jeffrey and, and sign up for his site and look at his YouTube videos and you'll learn a whole bunch of synergies and pathways. And um, it's just really neat stuff. Um, and I, you know, last thing I'll say about that as far as future plans is for now, my use of insulin, which is uh, incredibly synergistic with growth hormone anabolics, has been a uh, very, very small amount, a very sporadic amount. Uh, it will seemingly be more intelligent, applied, and consistent, and not a ton, but more consistent. What I've been told is that's going to make a really, really gigantic difference. So we'll see how this video ages. But if I get really uh, much more jacked over the next few years and people are going to be like, well, what's the change? We can like look back and send them this video and be like, 
Ta-da. Um, but again, all this is just BS for fun. I don't actually ever use any of this stuff. What people were waiting for was like, uh, I stopped training with reps and reserve. And I just take it yeah. to the house. No, I just, I just Assisted go to reps, failure. pass failure, <laughs> low volume. I hit failures zero times during this entire prep. So I hit like some one RIR sets and that was about, so I hit a few zero RIR sets on the past day. It's not what people want to hear. They want to hear the magic oh, secret. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, drugs are really the magic <laughs> yeah. secret. And I, but you the know, a marginal no increase about. in some of the drugs. Right, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> boring. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just for, for a public record, um, I, I tried using Tran again for the F time. And it just so disagrees with me that I stopped using it after a few weeks. And uh, instead of trying to use more VAR, and VAR is my miracle drug. And it's great and amazing. And relatively much safer than most other drugs that doesn't mean you should be doing it but what you do is between your coach and your medical doctor and so so long as it's legal in your country and uh yeah no trend prep feels way better i think everyone appreciates the honesty with everything there and like you said you even managed to squeeze out some for us naturals uh like the waking up in the middle of the night starving there's definitely people that suffer from that so knowing that like a small bolus of protein abate that hunger yeah. parasympathetic it can make sleep. a huge difference because here's the thing if you say okay well i have 250 grams of protein to eat through the day if you switch to 235 to eat through the day look like all the literature in the world says you're not losing any more muscle it's nonsense you're totally fine and then you have 15 grams with you prepared in your fridge for if you need it if you really can't wake up and a bunch of nights i woke up and i was like oh is it time for me to pull the trigger on this emergency protein and i was like hmm. Let me lie in bed for a little bit and see if I can fall back asleep. 10 minutes later, I was asleep. Three hours later, I woke up and I was like, oh my God, sweet. I, I have extra macros to spare for today or whatever. Um, and then that's the right answer. But if you have that trigger, two things. One, you can pull it and eat the protein and it really does help put you back to sleep. And like, if it fails to do that, you weren't going to go back to sleep anyway. So at least you try. It doesn't cost you any daily macros. It doesn't cost you any body fat gain. It's literally like a costless process. Another thing is having the option to do it can put you so much at ease. Because imagine, if you're scared that you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and not be able to go back to sleep, you know all the deleterious effects that poor sleep has on your prep. And if you freaked out and think, fuck, 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 like, oh my God, I sure hope I sleep through the night. If you have it in the back of your head, like, well, if I wake up, no big deal. I get to eat some protein and go back to sleep. Uh, then it actually may keep you sleeping through the night more simply because you're not as uh, freaked out. So it's a huge victory. And I would highly recommend people uh, look into that because... It works. And if the problem to you is like really poorly phrased, and if you're like, what, but I don't ever wake up in the middle of the night, uh, then no worries. Then you don't have to do this. But I know some people really do struggle with this. And not even the middle of the night. Like maybe you normally sleep till 830, but you've been waking up at seven recently. That's a whole REM cycle. You could wake up at seven, eat your 15 grams of protein, just try to go back to bed. And if you can sleep another 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 40 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half, it's all victories. And if you can't, then after 10 minutes of just being in bed, not being able to sleep, they just go up. You were going to wake up anyway. Go up and do your thing. I know people get funny with the like crony nutrition, like and you shouldn't be eating during like a sleeping window. But uh, I know, just because I think this has come up before. But when I think about those things, I'm like, this is a very unique situation. There's definitely not been studied starving bodybuilders. <laughs> so I yeah. think especially if, like you said, you've done this and you've seen real benefit from it and protein seems to be the most least impactful on sleep anyway when least impactful have... potentially potentially not impactful at all but let, let's ask another question 
if you really big on current nutrition, answer me this in your, in your own head or in the YouTube comments. What do you think is better, getting five and a half hours of sleep and not eating any protein before a sleeping, not eating a protein bolus before your next sleeping interval, or eating 15 grams of protein before a sleep interval and getting a sum total of seven hours? You look at the literature of how much at those margins sleep makes a difference on body composition and performance. You're really going to tell me that 15 grams of protein that it took to get you to sleep is going to negate that because of chrononutrition. What the fuck are you talking about? It's a huge victory, huge victory. Like it's not even, it's not even in the fucking realm of, of, of comparison. Like it's, it's like, it's almost like, you know, if you have a flight somewhere and you can like, you know, upgrade to business class and get your own layback seat and sleep the whole time for like an extra hundred dollars and the flight costs 900. Are you like, well, I don't know. That's a hundred bucks. Like it's a qualitative change. That's enormous. It's not up for debate. Of course it's worth a hundred dollars. Now like, you don't have a hundred dollars. It sucks. But like, if you don't have 15 grams of protein, it sucks. But who doesn't have 15 grams of protein? Of course you have that. So I would, I would talk it away. I would really, uh, if that really thing is just really bothering you, I would absolutely do. Yeah. Awesome. I think I have more, obviously I have a ton of questions, but I thought it was quite nice just to reflect on your prep and dig into that. And I can drag you back on in the new year, probably, uh, to go through some of these questions that I've gathered. Uh, cause yeah, we'll be doing this in the new year, but in the meantime, uh, have you got much going over? Like just more videos over on the YouTube channel. I guess now you can really start pushing the, the Instagram, make sure you can get that following back up. You need to be at hundred K in no time. Surely. Like you got to overtake me at least very quickly. Everyone who follows right. me needs to be following you. The barrel. <laughs> Dr. Mike is Rattel on Instagram. No more RP Dr. Mike. That account's fucked. Uh, come follow me. It'll be a great time. And I've actually just started offering a program writing thing. Um, I can write you a program for diet training combo, or I can just do a phone consult and all the program writing comes with a 30 minute phone consult where we go over your plan. And it's not a coaching thing because I explicitly in the contract, it's you, I don't follow up with you. You don't follow up with me just 12 weeks and you're off on your own with whatever diet and training we've said. It's all out of regulated, of course, but you're sort of told how to do that. Um, so if anyone has an interest in that, um, feel free to inquire, but I normally just post it. I'll post it every few weeks on my Instagram and I'll fill up really fast. Um, and so I'm probably going to be raising rates just cause I only want to do like two to five of these every week or few weeks. So it's going to be a real limited service, but if you find yourself comfortable paying what I'm going to be asking for and you want a custom plan and a consult, uh, something to look out for. That's really cool. Yeah, it didn't surprise. It went very quickly the first time, didn't it? So, oh my god, dude! I literally like posted it, took a shower, got out, and I was like, "Oh shit, delete!" <laughs> I had like twenty Instagram messages with serious interest right away, and I was like, "I can't keep doing this." And now I have a whole week's worth of work. I have to be super busy making this plan. God damn it! I'm supposed to be on vacation. Um, I should have turned it off sooner, but you know, I'll raise the rates competently, and uh, it'll be a cool thing. If you're interested, just DM me on Instagram. Uh, please don't. Um, message rp or anything like that because they just have to forward it to me but awesome yeah i'm sure you'll get a bunch of people interested listening to this so that's very exciting and yeah guys thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll catch you in the next one
So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Flor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course. Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years, probably roughly about three years. Revive Stronger, to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people. Uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically, we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is going to be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there. You can ask questions, but also you can, you can log your journey. There's also going to be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics. Discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're going to have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're going to go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them. We kept them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're going to be delivering is huge. And I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.